tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to continue on this series of dealing with our personal stuff and mental stuff. And tonight's lesson is really on anxiety. Um, you know, the Bible actually has a lot to say about anxiety. But typically we listen to the culture tell us what we should be doing with our anxiety. You know, anxiety basically is fear of the future. You know, fear of our surroundings, fear of what's going to happen. So we manifest this fear, you know, and it, it can come with a very intense emotions. You know, that when we have panic attacks or, you know, we have anxiety, you know, it feels like we can't think, we can't move. Sometimes that, you know, it just becomes so overwhelming that we don't know what to do. You know, and typically it's rooted in fear and it's rooted in our past. That something took place in our life where possibly a trauma possibly an event that that happened that we were either sinned against or we watched sin in our home, that maybe there was abuse, maybe there was abandonment, maybe a, a you know, a parent, a divorce had left, you know, you know, and there's insecurities and rejection. You know, and from that moment forward, we've been trying to control our environment. You know, and the more we try to control our environment, the more out of control we, we feel. You know, and as, you know, I grew up, you know, I started turning to, to different things. I know that when I would have a lot of anxiety, I had to get outside and, and shoot baskets or, or get outside and, and do something active, ride my bike, you know. And I didn't know what was happening in those teenage years, but I can look back now, you know, and see what was taking place, you know. I lived a, a life of a lot of anxiety because I was always stealing everything I could touch, you know, and I was vandalizing things in the neighborhood, you know, and getting in trouble from an early age, you know, the cops would come looking for me, you know, so there was always this thing that was weighing over me in, in my life that, it, you know, it's like always looking over your shoulder, you always thinking the shoe's going to drop, always thinking that something bad's going to happen. You know, and this creates a lot of worrying. None of us have any problems with worrying, right? We're good with the Lord. You know, and worrying, you know, exhausts us. Joyce Myers would say that, you know, it's very similar of sitting in a rocking chair. There's a lot of motion, but you don't go anywhere. You know, and, you know, we have this dread. We have this fear. We... We are trying to figure out, we're trying to manage, we're trying to control. And not only our lives, a lot of times it extends into other people's lives because if you could just do what I think you should do, then I wouldn't have to worry. But even the times that we get all the, the chess pieces in the right places, it just makes us worry a little bit more. You know, and the more we worry, the more paralyzed we feel. You know, and you know, as I came to Jesus, you know, it started to help me to realize that, you know, he was with me, you know, and I struggled with that, you know, I, you know, I remember in the, in the early days as I would come to church and people are worshiping and they're raising their hands and they're singing the songs and, you know, and there's the Holy Spirit moving in different ways and 
a lot of times I thought it was really weird. You know, I grew up in a very denominational, you know, conservative church and we sung hymns and there wasn't any of that type of activity. And I remember it, you know, the, the worship leader, the pastor would get up there and say, the Holy Spirit is in the room. And I'd be like looking around and I'd be like looking at stuff and I'd be like, I think these people are crazy. You know, and, but I was desperate for something to change. You know, and I believe that each one of us in here is desperate for some level of change in our lives. But the more we try to do it our way, what ends up happening is things continues to fall out of control. And the more we, we try to control that, and the more we try to do it our way, the more out of control and paralyzed we may feel. You know, and I remember, you know, coming home from church one night and, you know, and I was just thinking, like, what if there's something wrong with me? You know, maybe Jesus or the Holy Spirit or whatever they wanted to call it was actually in the room, but I was so distant from it that I couldn't experience what other people were experiencing. And I put a little asterisk in there, I don't want to be weird, you know. Because for me, a lot of the Holy Spirit, you know, things that were going on in the church were connected to things that people were doing that were really weird. Now, granted, I do some of those weird things today, you know, that, you know, there's there's proof in the pudding. And, you know, if something is supernatural and it touches something that's natural, it's going to be strange to those that are used to living in the natural. You know, and I remember thinking, having this brilliant idea that what's in the way between me and you? You know, and I started really contemplating that and starting to pray that. And I started saying, what's in the way between me and you? What's in the way between me and you? And the more I would pray that prayer, you know, the Holy Spirit would give me these bright ideas. And I would have these epiphanies like, oh, you know, I probably shouldn't do that. And I should probably apologize to this person. And, you know, I probably shouldn't steal that. And I probably shouldn't say that. And I probably shouldn't hang out with her. And, you know, I'm having these brilliant ideas. I didn't really realize that I was having was having an encounter with the Holy Spirit, even though I didn't think that he could do that. You know, and how many times does God intersect our lives and we don't think that he can do it that way? You know, and more and more that we really slow down and start to let go of things, we start to see how he's been, you know, taking care of business in spite of us. You know, and the more I started to learn that he was involved in my life, it helped me to worry less. Now, it doesn't mean that I didn't worry. You know, I can worry at any given second about what's going on. You know, it's a choice. You know, the Bible tells us that we need to renew our minds, you know, and bring every thought captive and back to the obedience of Christ. You know, back to the obedience of his word. You know, and what I've come to understand is that if I'm allowing worry to bring on anxiety, you know, that I am focused on something that's going on in my life or several things that's going on in my life that are out of my control and I have no idea how to control it. So what I'm really doing is making the things in my life so large 
that God can't possibly take care of it, and I have to figure out how to do it. And what prayer is doing is I'm turning to the one who can take care of all of these things, and I am shrinking myself and saying, God, I can't do it. I need your wisdom. I need your discernment. I need your hand to move. I need you to, to you know, fix this situation. I need you to, to guide me out of that situation. I need you to, to heal this wound in me. I need you to, to work in my kids. I need you to work in my situation. I need you to work in my job. You know, and the more we try to pick that back up and try to do it our way, all of a sudden, you know, we feel paralyzed. We want to run away. We want to fight. You know, we get angry. You know, there's all these things that, that manifest in us. But what's really going down deep down inside of us is fear. And we're trying to figure out how to turn the fear off to the best of our abilities. But the more that we learn God's truth, you know, the more that we really press into his word, we start to realize that God has a lot to say about fear. You know, fear not for I am with you. You know, trust in me. Don't be afraid. You know, there's scripture after scripture. You know, that it is said that there's over 365 verses on fear, that there's one for every day. Because he knew that we would struggle with it. So he gave us lots of references to, to be able to use. You know, and the more we allow fear to dictate what we're doing, the more we allow anxiety to, to cripple the way we think, you know, it feels like we can't move. You know, and I know for me, I don't like that feeling, so I'll use anger to bring back power. You know, and when I was a young man, you know, I was extremely angry all the time. You know, and as I started coming to Jesus and he started helping me to to work through these areas of my life that were out of control, I started to really realize that a lot of the way that I felt had to do with the present sin that was in my life. You know, and in the beginning, you know, I believe that each one of us has said like a sinner's prayer and we've asked Jesus into our heart and poof, we get into heaven. You know, we get the golden ticket. You know, the Willy Wonka comes along someday and just hands us the thing so that when we get there, we can give St. Peter our ticket and the golden pearly gates and we just do, oh, we get a cloud and a cherub and we get to float around. None of that's biblical at all on any level. You know, and what we do need to realize is that we we believe in what Scripture says, that Jesus lived this sinless life. And he laid down his life for us who live lives riddled with sin. And that sin is what is destroying us and those that are around us. And that when we accept his sacrifice for our punishment, because we deserve to be punished, the wages of sin is death, that we absolutely deserve the things that we go through. And it's hard for us to really wrap our minds around that. It's because I'm a good person. No, you're not. Oops, I'm not supposed to say that, am I? The Bible tells us it's very different than the way we think and what we feel. Well, God knows my heart. 
Well, the Bible says your heart's wicked. Wait a minute, what? You know, like, when you talk to people that live by their emotions, it's crazy what the things that they say. And I've been one of them. And it's important for us to know what Scripture says and to know why we believe in Jesus. You know, and anytime I'm talking to somebody new and, you know, especially people that have been in the church and have backslidden or never knew Jesus in the first place, just knew how to play church, the one thing that I ask them is, who's Jesus to you? Not all the stuff you think you know, not all the stuff you've been taught, not the movies you watch, not the conversations, not what the song says. Who is Jesus? And what do you do with that person? You know, because it's a historical fact that he was a real person. And what do you do with it? You know, and I, and I encourage them to, to start reading in John a little bit at a time and, and try to make their own opinion of who Jesus is. And time and time again, either they don't read and they run away, or they do read and Jesus intersects their lives and begins to show them that he's real. And each one of us has to, to make this decision of who is Jesus. Is Jesus really the Son of God who was born as a baby, lived a sinless life, laid down his life for us who are sinners, that he was treated like a thief, he was whipped and beaten, he was humiliated, he was nailed to a cross, onto his death, they buried him in a tomb, and three days later he got up. He hung out with us for about 40 days, and then he's like, peace out, I'm going to hang out with Dad. <laughs> you know, do we believe that? And some of us would like to say yes, but in reality we don't. Because we're still trying to, to manage our sin. And there is no real way to manage sin. Anytime that we try to manage sin, sin will get out of control. It's like trying to put a fire in our hand and pretend it's not going to burn us. Sin is destroying us even today. And when we allow sin in our life, there's all these repercussions that come with it. And rather than repenting, we try to cover up and hide and manage, and I'll do better next time, and I'll do it tomorrow. And we have all these excuses of what's going to take place with our sin. We, we are the Lord of our sin rather than giving our sin over to Jesus and letting Jesus be the Lord of us. See, we like the idea that we get to go to heaven, but we do not like the idea that he is our master and our Lord. See, when we come into the understanding that he is our master and our Lord, that he is sovereign, that he is in complete control, that I can start to release control to him and trust that he is working things out in me. I may not understand it. I may not like it. And guess what? It does not matter what I think. It does not matter what I feel. It does not matter what I think if it does not align with Scripture. And so often we let our feelings do the dictating of our steps and our actions rather than trusting in Jesus and believing in the Word of God. Be anxious for nothing. Yeah, I'm going to do that. No, I'm going to freak out. And I'm going to complain about my situation. No, be anxious for nothing, be thankful, pray, and a peace will come. No, I don't like any of that. I'm going to freak out, I'm going to tell everybody what my problems are, and I'm going to try to control everyone in my life. 
Amen. Like, do we really believe that Scripture is from God and that we are to align our lives to it? Or do we believe that our emotions are our Lord's and we should let them do whatever they want to do and take us wherever they want to take us? Because I've lived that way. You've lived that way. Some of us are still living that way. Sometimes I still live that way. Guess what? We all fall short. There's never going to be a time that we wake up and we get to check the box that we're perfect. There's times that we're going to get victory in an area and then months later we let that thing slide and we're out of control again. Why am I here again? Well, I stopped doing the things that I was taught or I stopped doing the things that were working. I stopped living by biblical principles. I stopped living by the principles that I was taught on how to overcome certain things in my life. And usually, what's at the center of that is that I allowed sin to start to creep in again and I started hiding it. And I started that it, all of a sudden it started distancing me from Jesus. It started distancing me from my word. It started distancing me from people. It started distancing me from accountability partners. It started distancing me from recovery. It started distancing me from church. It started distancing me because why? I allow this secret that's inside of me to make me sick all over again. You know, and we've all heard, you know, we're sick as our secrets. You know, and it's not until we really get honest. I think first and foremost, we need to get honest with Jesus. Because we are really good at deceiving ourselves. And if we start getting honest with Jesus, Jesus will tell us about ourselves. And sometimes we don't like what he says. And after we get honest with Jesus and we let him get honest with us, and it's important to start letting other people in and we get honest with them. You know, last week I was talking about the three. You know, but who's your one? Do you have one person that you could turn to and talk to in a time of crisis? You know, I remember I was just here a little while, probably less than a year, and one of the pastors who was teaching the class that I was in said, who is in your life right now that could tell you no and you would stop what you're doing and not question it? And I was like, I've never in my entire life let anyone do that. Hmm. Interesting. I've been doing what I want to do 100% of the time. Even when the cops say it's a bad idea, I'm like, watch, I'm going to have fun. Catch me if you can. And they did. And I didn't like it. Who is in our lives right now that we have a close enough relationship with that if we brought our ideas to and we said, hey, what do you think about this? And they said, that's not a good idea. That we would respect that. Have a conversation. Talk about it. Pray about it. Readjust it. Bring it back. I don't know. Like, who's in your life right now that could tell you no? Most of us don't really have anyone because we're not used to Having someone tell us no. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm letting that person control me. It's letting someone in my life close enough to me that is a buffer for me doing what my emotions say. And there's been times in my life that I've had 
you know, pastors tell me no, and it makes me furious. Tom, you shouldn't do that. And inside, I am like destroying everything. I'm out of here. These people are trying to control me. Why? Because I'm, I'm a little brat. I'm a two-year-old that someone took my baba. I have yet to bring my emotions under control and bring them back to the, back to Jesus. Why? Because I still have sin in my life that I don't want anyone knowing. So I keep everybody at arm's length. And it's when I finally get right with Jesus and I let Jesus get right with me. And then I start allowing someone in and I start telling on myself, like, this is what I've been thinking. Well, that's kind of crazy. Like, I was thinking it was crazy, but I also thought it was, like, a good idea. (laughs) What do you think God says? Well, God was telling me it was crazy, but I was really trying to convince him it was a good idea. (laughs) Like, if he would just do this this way, it could work. Like, yeah, I don't think you should date that guy that doesn't have Jesus that worships Satan. Just saying. But he's a really nice guy. There's times that we've done some really strange and crazy things and we tried to make it okay because our emotions wanted it. I know I'm not the only person here that lets our emotions do crazy things. Are we ready to step out of that cycle? And stepping out of that cycle means that, one, we need to have a serious chat with Jesus. And we need to also spend some time trying to hear the Holy Spirit have a serious chat with us. Because some of the things that are in our lives, if we were to truly repent and say, all right, Jesus, I'm going to do it your way, we would see a lot of the emotional craziness start to fizzle out. Now, it does not mean that I won't create some more emotional craziness because I'm good at it. But if I start being obedient to him a little bit at a time, I'm going to start to see how far down the road I've gotten. I'm like, wow, this Jesus stuff is actually kind of working. You know, we have a a variety of different people that have been following the Lord at, at various different lengths. But where were you when you walked to the door to GZM for the first time, and where are you now? How much has Jesus grown in your life? How much have you grown with Jesus? And then let's back it up. How much have you grown since the first day that you said, Jesus, I want you in my life? Some of us have been doing it for a year. Some of us have been doing it for decades. And I would honestly be able to say we've all grown. We've all changed. But I think we can all say that we've still got some changing to do. That we're not perfect. I am certainly not perfect. And I don't ever want you guys to think that I'm up here, you know, preaching to you guys and I'm holier than thou. No, I'm the worst one in the room. There's areas in my life that I need to surrender that I just am not because I'm a stubborn little brat and I want to do it my way. And guess what? God's waiting. He's just waiting on us. He's just waiting. He's like having a good time, just sitting over there doing God's stuff. Just waiting on us to surrender and let him be Lord. And he lets us mill about, destroying everything we touch. And we cry out to him, like, where are you? You're like, I'm in the same place I, you know, you left me. 
waiting for you to get back on the path and let's be obedient to the one thing that I asked you to do. But you know what? He intersects our lives at any given second if we would like ask him in. Like he doesn't like punish us and make us, you know, suffer and then like now you're gonna behave. <laughs> no, he like hugs us and says, I love you, now let's do it my way. And they're like, I'll do it your way, and then three seconds later we're doing it our way again. You know, and he's like, Oh, this kid. You know, and we go around and around. We've all had the moment. You know, God's waiting on us to say, I'm tired. I don't think the fear of repercussion really sinks into us because we always think we can get out of it. It's when we're tired of our own stuff. I'm tired of the way I feel. I'm tired of the way I think. I'm tired of constantly going around the same mountain again. That you know what? I'm ready to do it your way, God. You know what? And I remember in the very beginning, you know, that people would say, Tom, God's going to use you. And I didn't feel that I could be used on any level. I didn't feel good enough. I didn't even feel that God could love me. I felt so horrible about myself and the stuff that I did. Because I was still managing my sin. And I thought that I needed to get better before God would love me because I was manifesting the way I would do it on him rather than letting the way he does it to change me. And so often we still do that. Well, if I was God, thank God you're not. How screwed up would this place be if any of us got to be God for a day? Oof. I would do a really good job. No, I would destroy everything. Like, you know, like. But I remember, you know, saying people would say God's going to use you. You have a powerful testimony, and I didn't believe anything that they said. I did not believe that God wanted anything to do with me because I felt so horrible about myself and the things that I've been through and the things that I've done. I carried a lot of shame. Some of us carry a lot of shame. You know, and that perfect love casts out all fear. And that, that fear that he casts out is that fear of punishment, that fear of judgment, that shame that we carry. That when we really believe that the gospel is true, that we really believe that he laid down his life for each and every one of us because he loved us, and that he took on our punishment so that we could have freedom in Christ. Not freedom to do whatever I want to do. Freedom to do it his way. And as long as we're trying to have freedom to still do it whatever we want to do, anxiety and craziness goes on in our minds. But the second we say, God, I'm going to do it your way, all of a sudden this peace that goes beyond all our understanding starts to come in. And it doesn't mean that our situation has changed at all. But what began to change is our heart. And I remember saying, God, use my pain. Use my pain to help somebody. God, use my pain to help somebody. God, you got to take this craziness out of my head. you got to heal my brain. you got to take this depression. you got to take this anxiety. 
You gotta heal the way that I think. You gotta take this perversion. You gotta take this away. I don't want to think the way that I think anymore. I had to ask him into my mind and give him permission to uproot certain traits of thinking and begin to renew the way that I thought. That I could think the way he would want me to think. Because I did not know how to think any other way. And I would labor and I would sit in front of the Word of God and I would read it and I would read it and I'd be like, this makes absolutely no sense. And I'd be like, read it, a page a day, read it, a page a day, read it. All of a sudden, Jesus started jumping off the page and I'm like, whoa, what's up with that? How many times have we been reading it and God's telling us exactly what's going on in our situation by using a story that was written thousands of years ago? That's because he's sovereign and he knows where we are even in our word. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to show us that he loves us. He's trying to show us that he has it in complete control just to trust him. You can't get far reading the Bible before you run across one of those verses that says, fear not, trust me. Or don't have anxiety, trust me. Oh wait, just trust me. I got you, trust me. But he can't use it unless I let go of it. And I know that I've had this thinking, and I've talked to some of you, we wish that he would just pry it out of our hands, just make us to stop doing it. And in reality, if we really look at that, we don't want a God that can do that. Or we don't want a God that would do it, not that he couldn't. We have a God that wants us to love him because he first loved us. He doesn't want robots. He doesn't want us to just go through the motions of playing church. He wants us to be messy. He wants us to be real. He wants us to be who he created us to be. But he wants us to keep tripping forward and falling ourselves back into his lap and say, Jesus, I can't do this. you got to help me again. The second we think we got it figured out, what happened? We screwed up again. God, keep using me. Don't let me get out away from you. Do you have a God that's really big or do you have a God that's really little? Because I can't escape him. He doesn't let me get real far before I run right back into him. And there's been lots of times that I'm like, just leave me alone. And I'm so grateful he never has. Will I bring the darkness that's in my life into his light and saying, change me? Or will I continue to try to hide in my secret and pretend everything's okay? Meanwhile, my brain is on fire. I have all these thought patterns that are just racing. When I first got sober, my mind was racing so fast all the time. And then I haven't slept, not really fallen asleep on my own in years. There was always some pill or some substance that helped me to pass out. So now that I'm sober, left up to my own thinking, I couldn't fall asleep for nothing. So being a good drug addict, I would go to the doctor and be like, I can't sleep. Well, here, have this. I would take this. It would help me fall asleep, but I'd go back to the doctor and tell him it didn't work. Well, here, have more of that. I'd be like, ooh, this is starting to feel good. You know what? I still can't sleep. Here, have some more. I'd be like, ooh, this is really starting to feel good. Why? 
because I want to be high. I don't want to feel. Let's just put it that way. We use lots of things so that we don't have to feel. And when we are feeling, our brain is crazy. I had to bring myself into his light. And what that meant is that the things that I was thinking had to be given to him one at a time. But there were so many of them. Well, take the thing that I'm focused on at the moment and say, Jesus, you got to take this. Jesus, you got to help me with this. Jesus, you got to uproot this. And I started saying little prayers with the craziness that was going on in my mind. And before I knew it, my mind started to slow down. The anxiety started to lift because I was allowing him in. He was bringing his light into my darkness, into my crazy. And I started to see the peace that he was bringing. So often, we struggle with letting God in because we know that we don't want to do it his way. We want him. We want him to bless us. We want the end result. But we don't want to go through whatever it is that he's asking us to go through. We're like, there's got to be a different way. I'm just going to stay over here doing what I'm doing until you figure that out. Because you're God. So I know you can do like some abracadabra stuff and poof me out of this. And we pray that in Jesus' name. But in reality, he's asking us to be disciplined in our thoughts and our actions. And we don't like that idea. I don't like that idea. I just want to do whatever I want to do. I got the golden ticket. I get to go to heaven, right? But what if I could have peace here on earth? Not just peace in eternity. What if I could walk with a confidence here on earth? Not that it's of my own, but it's of him because I'm in Christ. That so often we're just waiting to get raptured and poof, we're going to get to heaven. That this world is full of sinners and I don't want to be around them anymore. And I'm just waiting for the day that he comes back and the Lord comes through the sky with a burning fire and he takes all the righteousness ones up to heaven. What if he wants us to reach all the sinners because we still are them? And because we won't really work on what's going on in our lives, we don't want to reach them because they might tempt us to do things that we actually really want to do. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't stay away from certain people because we obviously definitely should because it's too hard for us to be around certain people and not, you know, fall into sin. But I also believe that if we press into Jesus enough that we should be able to go well, just about anywhere and we shouldn't be influenced by stuff of our past. You know, I can go anywhere that I want to go, but it doesn't mean it's wise. And it doesn't mean I should go there every day. You know, there's people in my life that still party, and I'll intersect their lives at certain parts, and I tell them, you know, I love you, I'm glad you're doing good, even when they're not doing good. They're like, hey, get a hold of me sometime, let's gang out. Yeah, 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 and they never do. But it's funny how when they're going through something really difficult, who's the person they contact? It's the person that's loving on them in spite that they're not doing well. Because I fall short as a sinner. And I know what the truth is. How much more are they going to fall short as a sinner because they don't know the truth? And see, so often I want them to behave, and yet, in all honesty, I'm still not. Can, is that real enough? Is that, you know, I'm not a behavior. 
not good at it. I fall short. But the more that I let his light into my crazy, he lightens up my path, and he tells me how to walk through this crazy thing called life. And I live life on his terms, not mine. I live life on his word, not my emotions. And I start to realize that he starts to intersect me with certain people, and I have to, you know, this opportunity to have relationships with people that are messy. Because I'm messy. Good thing I don't expect people to be perfect, otherwise I would never have a relationship with anybody. And so often it's like, I'm so crazy in my mind, I can't have a relationship with you because you're being crazy, and you just set me and my crazy off. But what if I was to start bringing my stuff into his light and say, you know what, God, you're giving me a peace that goes beyond all understanding. So now when I intersect somebody that's in sin, they're like, what is, there's something different about you. And I don't hit them with, you know, my Bible. I just let them know that I, I love on them. Because if we let sin wreak havoc in our life, what does it do? It separates us from everybody. But in Romans 8, it says that there's nothing that can separate us from his love. Well, sometimes I don't feel that God loves me does not matter what you think. doesn't matter what you feel. Feelings aren't facts. Emotions lie. I trust you, Jesus, right? Whee! Here we go, running and running in. Someday, you know, there's an angel up there in heaven counting every time I've said that. Click, 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 click. I'm going to show up with my golden ticket, and he's going to hand me the counter and be like, 3,700,553 times did you say, I trust you, Jesus. Click one more time. (laughs) Because I cannot trust me and my thinking and my emotions. I cannot. I know where it will take me. But I don't want to cry, Tom. Me neither. It's not fun. But I would rather cry and trust Jesus than do what I want to do and then cry anyway. You know, there's a lot of times that we're in sin and we don't think that anyone knows. See, the guys love it at my house. (laughs) Because it's like a Petri dish. that I get these random strangers that move into my house and and they meet me and they're like, this guy's weird. This big biker loves Jesus. It's kind of strange. I'm just going to hide in my room. And then I intersect and say, hey, how are you? They're like, oh, I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Well, you know, and I keep intersecting them. Hey, how are you? How you doing? How's your day going? And then slowly they start telling me. And then I start watching them get better. Even though when they don't think they're getting better, I'm watching them grow with Jesus. Because they're in an environment that promotes Jesus. Not that I'm perfect at any moment, because it can get sideways in my house real fast. I promise you, you come over and you're like, what are we talking about? Like, I don't know, let's try to bring it back to Jesus. Like, it gets sideways real quick sometimes. It stays there, and then we try to pull her back in. But 
on a daily basis, we try to read and we try to pray and we try to serve and we try to live our lives to the best of our ability being broken people. And broken people start to mend the more they press into Jesus. Doesn't It's a side effect of his love. And any time that one of them starts to let sin back in, everything begins to change back into the person that they were when they first moved in. And they can't see it. But I see it. Real easy to see. I live with them. And I'll ask him, how are you? I'm good. Anything you want to tell me? No, I'm, I'm great. <laughs> okay. And we let this thing run for a minute. How are you? I'm good. Anything you want to tell me? No, I'm good. Okay. And sooner or later, they get busted. And I really don't have to do much. I pray one prayer. It's in Numbers. It says our sin will find us out. And I say, God, if there's sin in this house, let it find us out. I pray it on a regular basis, and it always seems to come to the surface. I don't have to chase any of them around. I don't have to lose my sanity. I just have to sit still and trust God. And sooner or later, if they're up to something they shouldn't be up to, boom, it emerges. But you know what emerged long before their sin revealed itself? All the symptoms of sin. Depression and anger and isolation and anxiety. And it's really easy to see when somebody had peace and they started to let something in and they lost it. What's going on? Nothing. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, and the longer we walk with Jesus, it's really easy to see our friends, our family members, our kids, our brothers, our sisters, our parents, that if they're struggling in sin and they really believe in Jesus, and even if they don't believe in Jesus, we can see when they slide. It's really easy. Because there's a peace that comes when we follow Jesus, and there's not a peace when we're not. You know, and we have to realize that our sin is telling on us long before we're ready to open up our mouths. Because what it does is we want to protect our sin, and we use anger, and we use deception, we use isolation, and we'll do just about anything at any cost to protect our secret. We minimize. We do risky things. We project rejection because you're going to reject me, so I'm going to run away. So it gives us an excuse to create distance. And what ends up happening is that we lose the people around us, but most importantly, we lost ourselves. But even more important is that we lost our contact with Jesus. You know, we think that we're only hurting ourselves. But sin affects everyone that's in direct contact with us. And believe it or not, sin affects random strangers because how many times have we lashed out in anger or we've done something because there's an emotional response in us versus what somebody else did. And they had no idea what we, why we were doing what we were doing, but it's the symptom of our sin that's now affecting them.
See, our wages of sin, there's a cost to it. There's a wage. Jesus had to pay it. You know, and so often, we're trying to, to extract a payment out of other people. So if you lied to me, I'll lie to you. If you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. If you stole from me, I'm stealing from you. You know, and we justify those types of actions. And what's really taking place is not only are we hurting ourselves, but we're hurting people around us when we allow sin to take root in us again after we've tried to cast it aside and, and put it at the feet of Jesus. And what happens is if we've never allowed Jesus into these areas that I've been discussing tonight, our mind is crazy. And that we have such anxiety, and usually it's manifested in control, controlling behaviors. Well, this is just who I am. Well, it might be, but aren't we supposed to be new in Christ? Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. You know that this isn't a one moment thing. I wish it was a suddenly, I wish I could pray for anxiety to be uprooted, but it's a lifestyle that has to change. And it starts a little bit at a time as we start to let Jesus into these areas. But we have to come against the false belief system that I have to handle all these things and Jesus is moving slow or he's not paying attention or he doesn't love me, so then therefore I have to do it. Because what that does is it creates this anxious mind and it creates anxious behaviors. And what we're really trying to do is protect the pain and the false belief system that's continuing to to destroy me and those that are around me. You know, when I allow my anxiety or I allow fear, I allow denial, I allow depression to control me, it has side effects for the people that are around me, not just myself. Now, I am a firm believer that the Word of God renews our mind. But I also am a firm believer, if you don't read it, it's not renewing nothing. Well, the Word does not come back void. Well, you can pray for me a lot, and it's going to take a long time for that to take root in me and to change me. Because I literally cannot change anybody. I can barely change myself. In all honesty, I can't change myself. It's only when I surrender to Jesus that change really takes place. But so often I'm trying to change you around me so I can feel better. When in reality, if I would surrender myself, that I would have peace regardless of what's going on around me. Can I just say that we all have hurt? Each one of us has something inside that hurts still today. There's some area in our lives that still... It's oozing pain. And we've used various things, drugs, alcohol, sex, porn, food, pain, work. Keep adding to the list. We're using something to manage our hurt. What if we were to really say, Jesus, I'm so sick of this that I'm ready to let you in. It's scary, which then that brings anxiety. Once again, fear, anxiety, fear, anxiety. It's it's circular. It goes around and around until we take that thing out and we say, Jesus, here it is. I'm scared. I don't like it. I'm angry. I'm hating what you're doing right now. 
I don't like the way I feel. I don't like anywhere I'm at. But here we go. Jesus has a way of healing wounds that we never thought were ever going to go away. He has a way of reaching down into our childhood and beginning to turn it and heal it and then uses it to help someone else find him. We did not find Jesus on our own. First of all, he has to reveal himself to us through the Holy Spirit, but most of us had a person also involved in that equation, right? And yet, there is people waiting for us to surrender our lives again to these areas that we're struggling in so that we can run into some person that says, you know what, I hate God, I don't like this, I'm struggling with that. And we try to be their friend. But we can't take that step until we take the step towards him that says, I'm ready to let you in again. You know, and the more we allow truth to, to dictate the way we live, things begin to change. Many of us have heard this scripture or this saying, and a lot of times it's out of context, and you hear a lot of people that don't have Jesus use it. The truth will set you free. No, no, it won't. It's Friday, March 28th. You're in Utica. That's truth. Do you feel any more free? It's cold outside. It's snowing. Do you feel any more free? What Jesus says in John 8, 31 and 32 is, is that if you are my disciples, that you will obey my teachings and then you'll know the truth and that truth will set you free. See, we have to go not just from believers, but we need to be disciples. We need to be learning. Disciple just means student, basically. Are we being a student of the Word of God? Do we have someone in our life that's engaging us on some level and helping us to understand things that we may not understand? Do I need to let anyone specifically control me and my decisions and my behaviors? Absolutely not. I think that that's where things get weird and they get weird really fast. However, I do believe that we should have people that we should be engaging and saying, this is what I'm thinking. You know, that's good. I like that. You've been praying about it? Yeah, I've been praying about it. Yeah, that's good. Do that. And we learn to obey his teachings. Some of you get really frustrated with me a lot <clears throat> because the first thing I tell you to do is pray about it. Well, just tell me the answer. I'm like, that is the answer. That's the answer that you want above all other answers is the relationship with Jesus. You, trust me. You don't want my wisdom. <laughs> Did you pray about it? No. We'll pray about it. Okay. Did you pray about it? No. We'll pray about it. Okay. Did you pray about it? Yes. Did you really pray about it? No. <laughs> Why is it so hard for us to engage him? Trust me, I, I go through my moments too. But the, usually when I have the most amount of peace is that me and him are talking on a regular basis pretty often throughout the day. 
that we need to obey his teachings. His teachings bring truth. That truth brings freedom. That's the freedom I want in my mind. I don't want to be riddled with anxiety. I don't want to be riddled with fear. I don't want to be, you know, in a lifestyle of sin. I don't want depression. I don't want anger. I don't want lust. I want Jesus. And the only way that we can get more Jesus is obeying his teaching. I wish it was as simple as a worship song. I wish it was as simple as one tiny prayer. I wish it was as simple as carrying a Bible. I wish it was as simple as going to church on a Sunday. I wish it was as simple as coming here and church on a Sunday. It's not. It's obeying his teachings, and sometimes it's hard. But the more we obey his teachings, the freedom that goes beyond all understanding begins to come into our lives, that we have a relationship with our Creator. We have a relationship with the living God, that he intersects our lives in a way that cannot happen in any other way, that he knows us beyond even us knowing ourselves. And he begins to dictate our pathway in this crazy thing called life. And we begin to see how things begin to unfold in ways that are like, that doesn't make any sense. And he begins to do miraculous things in spite of us. Because that's who he is. Not because I'm all of a sudden behaving and I deserve it. We'll fall short again and again and again throughout our lives. We just have to keep bringing our thinking and our actions back to him and say, help me, I'm falling short, I'm a sinner, forgive me, help me to do it your way, over and over and over and over again. What I tell the guys a lot is I don't expect you to be perfect, I just expect you to keep trying, keep fighting, keep pushing forward. Jesus will show up, I promise you, he always does. You just bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you so much. Thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, Lord. I pray that we could bring our anxious thoughts to you, Lord, and, and trust you. That you will work everything together for your good, according to your purposes. That you have a plan. That you're working things out in us. But you don't let us go certain directions because you know how painful it will become. Help us to trust you more. Help us to talk to you more. Help us to get into your word more. Lord, help us to bring the crazy things that go on in our mind and our hearts and lay them at your feet and let you direct our our pathways, Lord. Help us to, to be obedient to your word, Lord, and watch how your truth sets us free again and again. Lord, we need you so much, Lord. I pray that your presence would just come into this place, Lord. I pray that any seed that may have been planted here tonight would be next to your living water. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to have your way in each and every one of us, Lord. That you would help us to grow and mature as men and women of God. Help us to overcome, not in our own strength, but because we are being obedient to you and we're finding strength in you and you alone that we can learn to boast in our weakness so that we can glorify you. Lord, help us to heal. Help us to change. Help us to surrender. Lord, we need you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Many, many, many.